What a joy to be with you again. I, uh, I, I, I love to preach. And I don't get a lot of opportunity to do that. And I want you to all know how wonderful and gracious it is of your pastor to step aside and allow me to fill this space every once in a while um, for you and for him, but more importantly, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm not always sure how good I am at it, but uh, it doesn't matter because prayerfully it won't be about me anyway. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, um, delightful grave diggers. That came to me in the middle of the night here a couple of weeks ago. And it just kept nagging at me. So that's what I gave for the title to the message uh, today. And it's grounded... It, it's, it's grounded in my perception of the world in which we're living. Would we all agree that this is a rough time? Uh, chaos reigns, right? Uh, people are more caught up in finding out how best to live for themselves. And it's about their desires uh, that, that everything works. Uh, it's for me. It's not for you. It's for me. What's going to make me happy? What's going to make me successful? What's going to me, give me a greater opportunity to climb the ladder or step a uh, above somebody else so that I, I can feel good about, about who I am. Daniel had a vision about this thing. About dominions that were in the hands of others as God had given it to them for a short period of time. But what Daniel sees in this vision is that that time is running out and that the day will come when those who claim a dominion will no longer have that dominion. A time when those who were in power and in control will no longer be in power and in control because that will have all been taken away and will have been replaced with one who has a new dominion, a dominion that is forever and ever and ever. And his name is who? Jesus. His name is Jesus. I was talking with a friend of mine not too long ago about the fact that uh, I was hearing that churches were being sold because they couldn't keep the doors open. I told him that we had been in Colorado and on our way back down here from Denver, we stopped in Colorado Springs where Sandy and I uh, worked in our internship. 
at uh, Bethany Lutheran Church. We looked it up online and it gave us an address. And so we found our way back over to the church. And when we pulled in the parking lot, there were all kinds of signs about how you learn to climb mountains and a place where you could buy skates and boots and skis and jackets. And you could have a membership when you could climb up walls where they had things set up on the walls and you could tie yourself there so that when you fell down, you wouldn't hurt yourself. It was no longer a church. And I asked the individual inside there, how long has it been like this? He said, well, we've been here eight years, so it's been at least eight years since this church was actually a church. The person that this individual and I were talking about the other day said to him, well, the reason churches are closing is because they're talking all about that Jesus and Jesus stuff. If they stopped talking about Jesus and Jesus stuff, the churches would grow. The problem in this country and in the world right now is that there are a whole lot of people drinking some very strange Kool-Aid. Amen? They, 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 re they really are. They're, they're drinking a very strange Kool-Aid. Churches are not closing because Jesus is not lifted up. Churches are closing because Jesus is not being lifted up. I don't care if you're small or large. We have a responsibility to preach Jesus. Amen? Amen. Not just Jesus, but his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his coming again. That's what we are here to do, to preach that. Why? Because in him and in him alone is our hope of eternal life. He has the dominion. Presidents, kings, dictators, it doesn't matter what we might call them, they don't have the dominion. They might think they have the dominion, but they don't have the dominion. The dominion is found in the one who holds it, and his name is Jesus. So having said that to you, we're now going to commence to begin to figure out what that means for us on a daily basis. And to do that, a story. It's, it's, it's a story that my grandfather told me many, 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 many years ago when I was but just a young whippersnapper. He loved to tell stories about Norwegians, Sven and Oli. And in this particular story, Oli has gone down to the local pub. And he has bent his arm over and over and over again. And he's doing that until 2 o'clock in the morning when finally the owner of the pub says to him, Oli, I think it's time for you to go home. And so he guides Oli out the front door and closes the door behind him. And Oli now is standing out on the street and it's pitch black dark and he quite frankly, doesn't even really know where he is. 
So he begins to walk. And he starts walking into a cemetery. And as he's walking through the cemetery, he falls into an open grave. And it knocks him out. The night passes, the sun comes up, and the rays from the sun moving over begin to shine down into this open grave and upon the face of poor old Ole. And Ole wakes up, and he stands up, and he puts his arms up, and he pushes himself up out of that grave, and he looks around, and he says, My goodness sakes, it's resurrection day, and I'm the first one up. (laughs) Now, why that story? Three reasons. First, the grave. Delightful grave diggers. Adam and Eve were created by God, placed into this wonderful garden, and all they had to do was multiply and take care of the garden. That's what they had to do. Not a big thing. God would come in the evenings, and they'd have conversations. And those conversations would be wonderful conversations. But then one day, Adam and Eve were confronted by a serpent. And the serpent said to Adam and Eve, why don't you eat the fruit of that tree over there? Well, God, our creator said we shouldn't do that. The serpent said, nah, nah, nah. He didn't mean that. He really does want you to eat of the fruit of that tree. And you know what? When you do, he's going to be super, super happy because you'll know what he knows and you'll be where he is and just like him. And you'll have this wonderful fellowship on equal lines and bases because all of these things will be held in common. And so it says that Eve, looking at the fruit and saying, wow, that's, that's, that looks pretty tasty there. And besides that, when I eat it, I'm going to know what God knows. This has got to be great. And so she ate of the fruit. Delightful grave diggers. She, she and Adam, they were so excited about digging their own grave. That's what they were excited about. They didn't even know that in doing that, drinking the Kool-Aid and swallowing the lie of the serpent, that they were literally digging their own grave. We do that. We do that. When we say that church growth is found not in Jesus but in some other thing that makes us feel better about ourselves, we're digging our own grave. Amen? Amen. Do you follow that? We're digging our own grave. When we say, nah, this, 
isn't all that relevant anymore because it was written too long ago and the things that are in here applied to the folks back then but not to us folks today they are digging their own grave when we ourselves make light of this book and don't open it up on a regular basis and take the time to meditate upon the word that isn't found in here we are in our own way digging our own grave because we are denying ourselves, what your pastor talks about all the time, we're denying ourselves access to a living faith. You don't want a dead faith, you want a living faith. And you don't find that living faith by doing nice things for people. You don't find that living faith by, by ignoring the Word or the one who is found in the Word and looking for some other place to go to begin to feel a little better about yourself. You're digging your own grave. Now, it's not that helping people is wrong. We're certainly called to help other people. But it's a matter of priority. What comes first? We help people because Jesus has encouraged us to help people. We help people not because we have to, but because we want to. And it's the want to is because of what God has done in Jesus for us. You can live a hundred years on the face of this earth and it is minuscule compared to eternity. You put all of your eggs in the basket of this world and you're cutting yourself short and you've dug your own grave. What does it profit a man, Jesus says? If he holds on to everything in the world, but denies him. You gain the world, but you lose salvation. What is the most important thing to you and to me as Christian individuals? That we have a God who loved us enough to take on human flesh, to come into this sinful world, to take our sin upon his shoulders, to carry it and bear it to a cross, nailed there so that we might no longer have to bear it and know that when our eyes close here, they will open in heaven's place. That's eternity. Being with Christ forever. And what What Daniel's talking about is that forever. The light shines into the darkness. Oli was asleep until that light came over and shined down on his face. That's when he was awakened. That's when he got up and climbed out of that grave and recognized that there was a new day. A new day. The light shines into the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. You and I can hide it, but the darkness cannot overcome it because wherever there is light, there cannot be darkness. Amen? Amen. Just can't be. The light has power over darkness. Who's the light? Jesus is the light. 
I am the light of the world, he said. Yes, he is. It's the light of the world. So that, so that you and I can come to God and see the joy and the hope that is found in him alone. There is a resurrection. Paul had to argue that in 1 Corinthians 15, saying if there is no resurrection, we are the most to be pitied. But there is a resurrection. And I can tell you why. Because he showed himself. The light shined in the world post his crucifixion. And the light shined in the world post his crucifixion because he stood on the face of the earth again. And he showed himself to his disciples, to 500, to 3,000, to the men on the, on, on the way to, to Emmaus. Over and over and over again, Jesus showed himself to those who had believed in him. And their hope was rekindled. And when he left, he said, I'll come again. And I'm here to tell you today, he's coming. You can be absolutely guaranteed, he's coming. I don't know when, but I'm telling you, he's coming. And I'm also telling you, we need to be ready. We need to stop playing games. We need to, be, we need to stop digging our own graves here with, with chasing after myths and ideas that, that, that really don't, 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 don't have any, any basis in fact or hold any water uh, in a long, life's, a long life's way. We have churches today. Churches today. Who will preach that your salvation is had for you whether or not you believe in Jesus. It's called Christian universalism. I, 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 lo I looked it up. Christian universalism, what, what is that? Well, that is the belief that Christ or God did his atoning work in the person of Jesus Christ, which I say amen to, he did. But he did it for the whole world. Done deal. Done deal. So it doesn't matter what you believe or who you believe in or what you do with your life, good or bad or indifferent, it doesn't matter. God has already taken care of your salvation through the atonement found in the death of Jesus Christ. The caveat in that is believing. Believing is the caveat. You gotta believe. You gotta believe that it is Jesus who did what the scriptures say he did. You gotta believe that. My confirmation verse. Confirmation, confirmance, raise your hand. There you go. My confirmation verse was John 3, 16. For God so loved the world 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That was my confirmation verse many, many, many moons ago. Now there's more after John 3.16 that I wasn't given by my pastor. And that is, number one, those who do not believe are condemned already. The light came into the world, but those who would have received the light didn't receive the light. They put it under a bushel basket. They hid it. They turned away from it. They walked away from it. Anyone who does that is lost. There is no hope. One needs to come to the light. Simple but profound. Needs to come to the light. Jesus is the light. The way, the truth, and the life. You don't come to the Father except through him, and you don't get through to him unless you come to the light. That means to turn around. That means to face up to who you are. That means to say, yes, I need him in my life. I can't get along without him. I can't make anything work in this world without him. I absolutely need him in order for me to have the hope of life both now and forevermore. And it's a wonderful thing when the Spirit breaks in and touches our hearts and says, I heard you. I saw you turn. And here I am for you. When I was a youngster, I got into an argument with my mother. We won't go into what the argument was over, not necessary today. But I got pretty stubborn in my fight with her. I was 11 years old. She said, me, said to me, you will do this. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. You will do this. No, I'm not going to do that. She said, you will do this. And I said, well, if you're going to make me do that, I'm just going to leave. And so she went up to my bedroom, pulled out a suitcase, packed it up, brought it and put it by the back door and said, adios. It was January in Moorhead, Minnesota. Ever been to Moorhead, Minnesota? Anybody? It's cold in Moorhead, Minnesota. But I picked up my suitcase and I went out that back door and I started walking into the backyard in three feet of snow. Now the beauty and the curse of living in Minnesota, at least at that time, was they didn't believe in fences. So you just went from one yard into another. And so I'm walking along and, and trudging through the snow, carrying my, my suitcase, looking around pitch black, winds blowing, howling, and the further I go, the darker it gets, the colder I get, the more tired I get, and I realize I'm in trouble. 
I don't have a light even to shine around to see where to go next. I had nothing except a suitcase full of clothing that would do absolutely no good for me at that time. And then I finally came to myself and I said, Self, maybe it's not so bad back where I was. And I turned around and there was a window. And there was a figure standing in the window. And there was a light behind the figure. And it was as though the figure standing in the light was beckoning me. Come home. Come home. Please come home. We love you here. We care about you here. We want you here. You come and we will take care of you here. Come home. And so I walked back through the snow toward the light. And the figure in the light walked through the door to open arms, kisses, and loves. And I'll never do that again. He's coming. The light's going to shine. Figure's going to stand in that light. He's going to say, come. Come. Come on. Come. All of you, come. Don't allow yourselves to be caught up in the myths, the lies, the Kool-Aid. Don't any longer continue to dig your own graves And certainly, if you are, don't do it with a smile on your face because that says you don't have a clue. If you're sad and you're digging, you're at least beginning to get somewhere. And that somewhere will ultimately cause you to turn around and see the one who has loved you so much that he died and was raised for you. And that with his promise to come, he will come. And he will claim dominion. He will claim the kingdom. A kingdom that is forever. And he will introduce you to it and invite you into it. And in that kingdom and in that place under his dominion, you will know joy beyond joy, peace beyond peace, more than you could ever, ever begin to commence to imagine here. Delightful grave diggers. We're olies. We fall into the grave. But that's not the end of the story. Sun comes up. Light shines in. We are awakened. We climb out. We look around and we see Jesus. Full of life. Ready to give us that life. If we will but just receive him. May we do that again today. Receive him into our lives. Commit ourselves to a living faith. And look forward to the day when when we leave this world, we will find ourselves on the wonderful, beautiful shores with Jesus and the Father. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much. 